It's the only wrestling podcast on earth with one former two-time X Division champion, the man behind the man, behind the man in Impact Wrestling, my best friend in yours, number one in my heart, but number 481 in your heart, yeah. that's PWI's 500's heart. That's Petey Williams. How's she going, eh? Four- let's, see if we can, let, let's see if we can find 481. Just hold on a second. Yeah. Excuse me. No, go ahead. Introduce me, and I'll find it as we go on. Is that page even in that book? No. I think. Yeah. Hold on a second, right here. Four eighty-one. Wow, man, I'm I, I'm higher than the year prior, so that's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad from the band Rancid, one of my favorite people on earth, the guy that turned this podcast around, the podcast oh, wrestling savior, the namer. Of wrestlers, that's Lars Fredrickson. Hi, how's everybody doing? Good. So, Shay Taylor, if you're looking for a new wrestling name, he's got like a hundred other songs he can name you after. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you know, call you Time Bomb or something like that. Let's call him Time <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> well, I, th- I think Shane Ch- Taylor has got an old school yeah. kind of like ring to it, and that's what I love about his name. You mm. know what I mean? It's very old school. It's like Bad News Brown, Shane Taylor, you know, or, you Snow know. Snow frills, bro. Snow frills. That's it right. is what it Steve, is. Lord Stephen Regal, you know what I mean? Or something, you know, it's got that mm-hmm. thing. I'm going to say this, Shane. And if as far as your introduction goes right now, and I have mm-hmm. a lot of people I would call friends on the Ring of Honor, wrestle, Ring of Honor roster. Mm-hmm. You are by far one of my favorite people I love to watch. In my opinion only, you right now are the heart and soul of that roster. It, outside of mainstream wrestling, you do not get enough respect, in my mm-hmm. opinion, for what you're doing, what you're doing out there, what you're doing now, what you have done. And mm-hmm. for me to be able to sit down and talk to you, and I know these two are excited, but this is, believe it or not, one of my bucket list interviews because oh, for easily the last two years watching you do what you've done especially during the pandemic i really thought you were one of the few guys that not few but one of the guys that really kept ring of honor during the no crowds entertaining Mm -hmm. so thank you so much for being here man that means the world thank you uh yeah man Uh, huh it's your turn to do me now (laughs) (laughs) hold on hold on (laughs) You have to re you have to rephrase that, my guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, thank thank like that means the world, man. That me and my guys, Khan, Moses, O'Shea, Ron, we we take a lot of pride um and not only being loyal to ROH, but uh b- daring to be different, daring to be outspoken, daring to do things our way, which I feel like is the closest thing that embodies the original ROH spirit, right? Like when they brought everybody in originally, it was, yo, fuck the system. We're going to be the best, regardless of who thinks they're the best. It's right here. Um, And we've sort of just tried to hone in on that and carry that. Um, And when you have a roster of talented men and women like we do, you know, and surrounded by legends like the Briscoes or Jay Lethal or the next class of guys that are going to be great, like Bandito and, you know, Flamita and Ray Horace and all those people. Like it's, it's, you, you have, in my opinion, right. And maybe I'm biased, but I feel like we have one of, if not the best wrestling roster on the planet. And we put on some of the best wrestling shows on the planet. Um, 
And it's just a matter of time before we start to get, you know, the, the eyes back on us that we need to show the rest of the world. Now, with my intro being said, I don't mm-hmm. know much about your upbringing. Bringing. I don't mm-hmm. I, I there's not a lot of stuff out there on you with the indie circuit. And, you know, mm-hmm. you caught my attention in Ring of Honor. Can you it kind of give us the Cliff Notes version of how you went from point A to point B? We don't need to talk about the womb and all that. But I mean, right. how you found yourself in Ring of Honor? Um, well, quick backstory, uh, grew up East side, Cleveland, Ohio, before they tried to fix the, the, the city, uh, grew up, um, uh, had, a, had to grow up fast. Uh, I've, I've let it be, be known. I've probably been to a hundred funerals by the time I was like 12. Right. Like, so my, my moral compass, my way of looking at the world is different than a lot of people. Um, uh, I have, I've said before, you know what I mean? Like we couldn't even sit on the couches in our living room because my dad and my uncles would fight the drug dealers on our corner to keep them away from us. People don't like when you mess with their money. So they would like weekly come by and shoot our house. So we had to make sure when my dad was at work, he didn't have to get that call that one of us got hit or my mom got hit. You know what I mean? So we couldn't, we had to like stay on the floor. Um, one of the things that sort of took us away from thinking about that was pro wrestling. Back in the day, we would all kind of get together. We'd get like one pay, one pay-per-view per house per year. Um, and in that time, while we were all there, you never had to worry about that stuff, right? You never had to worry about, you know, who wasn't going to come home. Every, every Everyone was there. So wrestling was something that not only did I love to watch, but I saw what it was able to do for my family. And I said to myself, if I'm, if I'm ever able to be in the position to bring that feeling to someone else's family, that's exactly what I want to do. Uh, fast forward, uh, leave college, uh, wrestling, playing football, the whole nine. And I've got choices to make, right? Like I could either try to train for the Olympics. Wasn't going to do that. Um, I, I, I could have tried out for the NFL to, to, to long snap. I could still do that, but I love what I do. Um, and I just, I had happened to go to an independent show, which is my very first introduction to them. Um, there was a place in Pittsburgh called the International Wrestling Cartel. Uh, and at the time they had everybody from AJ to Sam Punk to Sterling James Keenan, you know, who's Corey Graves now. Uh, but they had a tag team from Cleveland uh, called the Cleveland Mafia, which was Ray Rowe and J-Rock. I had known Ray from high school, saw that they were doing this. And outside of, you know, the the top places at the time, I had no idea what the independents were. So met with them, talked to them. They explained it, started training with them. They took me around the country for the next seven, eight years or so. I made my name on the East Coast and the Midwest. After I felt like I plateaued there, moved down to Texas to work with people like Luke Hawks and Wildcat Sports. That's when I first got on the ROH radar around 2015-ish. Uh, started teaming with, did a few shows there. Started teaming with Keith Lee like that next year. Um, and then from then on, that's, you know, that's a, that's where I've been. So I. I want to, I mean, that's an amazing story. I, I, I want to go back to like, you know, you're talking about 
your, your family dynamic a little bit different than I guess what like a normal American would be used to. Like, you know, you're saying right. your dad was a drug dealer and, and, you know, worried about like, Oh no, no, no. hold people. on, hold on quick, quick, quick. Just, just small correction. He wasn't the dealer. Like he was, he would fight the dealers to stop. Oh, selling. Okay. Okay. I thought you said, I thought you said, dealer. Oh, no, no, so he, he would fight he, the dealers. So you lived in a, a neighborhood where that was happening, correct? Right, right. right. Now, that's not that's not to say my family didn't do other shit. They just didn't do hey, that. Hey, <laughs> I, I'm not. Hey, I'm not here to judge, man. I'm not here right, to right. judge. So right. my question is, what I want to know, since I I, and I ask this question a lot and stuff, like, what yeah. did your parents think when you said? Because you said you could do the, like long stepping in the NFL right. and you know train for the Olympics and stuff like that. When you mm -hmm. finally said, hey, you know, family, I want to be a professional wrestler. What was their response? They literally were like, of course you do. Like, of course <laughs> you do. Absolutely. Like, the, it wasn't even a question. And, and it's because it's something that's been a part of our, our lives forever. Like, when we were growing up as kids, my dad would tell people who came over, like, hey, yo, if you fall asleep, do not fall asleep on, on the floor because the boys will fuck you up. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> You can fall asleep on the couch. They won't touch you. But if you're on the floor, they're going to get you. Like, uh, we, I even got kicked out of preschool for wrestling. Uh, family bonds are super tight. Some kids were messing with my cousins. We weren't playing it. Um, held the kid down. I climbed up on a table. I have no idea what the teachers were doing at, at this time. Uh, but straight, you know, macho man style. Elbow from the top rope. Bam! On this kid. You know what I mean? They called my dad in. They were like, oh, well, they, we got to kick him out. We thought for sure we were getting our asses beat. Uh, no, nah. he was like, no, nah. we went, got ice cream. He was like, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. You looked out for your family. That's it. You know, so once I made the decision like, hey, this is what I want to chase. They were just like, yeah, we saw this coming. <laughs> OK, awesome. I, I, I wasn't expecting them to be like super supportive. That's all. You, you don't, you, my, you don't my, always hear it. Yeah, my dad, when I first started, because we know we, we, we know how the grind for wrestling is, he didn't like that part because he he, he, he was like, yo, you got to get your money. This is this. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying. But this he's like, nah, fuck that. Like he's like. And, and to his credit, he's telling me stuff that I do now, but that's after some of the successes and you're able to sort of, you know, use that leverage later on in your career. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like that. I, I just started. I can't be telling these guys like, yo, I'm not coming if you don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's just not how it works, you know. Um, but now that I'm able now that I'm in the position that I'm that I am uh, and, and things were starting to turn around when I first signed my ROH deal and things like that. You know, now he's he's seeing everything come full circle. So now he's like, oh, OK, now I'm 100 percent all in. He was supportive from the gate, but wanted to just he, he just wanted the best for me. You know, you know, you're a big guy. Yeah. OK. And, but you move like a, a 200 pounder. Right. <laughs> and and uh, the first guy that I think all of us ever really see seen do that was maybe Bam Bam Bigelow, mm. maybe one man gang. So mm. I was I was kind of thinking to myself, was that an inspiration for you or who? And if not, who were those inspirations for you when you were watching wrestling that made you say, I, I want to go do this? Bam Bam was definitely one of them. I think when I saw Vader and Stan Hansen in Japan, I was like, all right, like I, I'm never going to have a six pack in my life. Right. I, I'll never look like Petey. Right. But. 
I was like, I can hit people really hard, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, 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 like here's these guys who are just knocking the shit out of people and getting paid. Yeah, I can do that. You know what I mean? And me being, uh, you know, naturally as confrontational as I am, um, I was like, yeah, talk, talk shit and punch people right up my alley. Let's let, let's do that. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so once and so watching guys like that, watching the presence of, of guys like Taker, the way they move in the ring, watching Kevin Nash and just his his overall just swagger and confidence, um, taking li- little bits of pieces from everybody like Bam Bam or one man gang. But it wasn't until I saw Ron Simmons beat Vader for the world title that I was like, OK, now not only do I see them, but I see me in that spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And before that, and this is no disrespect to anybody else, you know, who, who who was doing their thing. I couldn't relate to a lot of the African-American talent back then. I didn't know anybody who was barking like a dog. I didn't know anybody. And I, I knew guys like Slick, but no, but no one really fucked with guys like Slick because Slick was a hustler. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. no one really was messing with guys like that. No one I knew had a parrot. You know what I mean? So it, like a lot of the characters just missed me. Wait, you're saying but, there's nobody on the streets of Cleveland <laughs> that walked around in this bro. Oh. Listen, I was looking, and believe me when I tell you, I was looking, right? Well, let that me was- just tell you something. That shit flies in the Castro here in San Francisco to this day, so we're right. all good. Uh, it's like, bro, like, I, I, I just didn't see it. And again, this is no disrespect to a- anybody, all legends in their own right, but it just wasn't something that clicked for me at the time. Right. But then I saw Ron and I was like, yo, OK, there's no there's no BS here. It's just a dude who's out there working his ass off to be to, to be the best dope that I can do. Um, and, and so seeing that kind of definitely sealed the deal for me as far as something that I could chase and, wh- and which is why, especially with me and, and my guys, we're so big on representation in the sport and not just having black people on a roster, not just having them there to fill a quota, but giving them um, the opportunity to be successful, to have depth of character, to be able to do everything that our counterparts can do, to have interesting storylines, to be able to tell their story to their fans. And it doesn't matter what race those fans are, but you can have everybody from all walks of life care about us the same way they care about everybody else. All right. So this question may be a little bit leading and maybe a little bit presumptuous here. Yep. Talking about your growing up in the area you grew up in, I'm I'm going to guess you had a a lot a lot of rough around the edges friends, right? And when you finally right. in wrestling or when you were going through your career, did you ever invite these guys out to one of your matches and like look at their faces blown away of like, what, what is he doing? What is, what am I watching? Oh, of course. There's, there's a lot of stories that I can't tell where yeah. a lot of my friends, we like, there's a lot of people who probably could have definitely got beaten up or hurt that have no idea that it was about to happen because me and some other guys stopped it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> cause we, we like the, the crews that we rolled with, they're nice dudes, but they're not nice dudes. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's definitely a lot of people. And, and even to this day, I'll get calls when people cut promos and they're like, yo, who is that? And I'm like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's we're, we're it's, it's, it's all good. Like you sure? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that come to the shows that just show that support because they've known me my whole life. Right. Uh, but that's why I push the way I do. That's why I, I, I go as hard as I do, because there's so many people who have not only sacrificed their dreams for me to be in this spot, but they've sacrificed their freedom. They've sacrificed some of them, their lives for me to be here. Right. So um, I, I, I take this serious because for me and where I come from, it's a very serious thing. Um, and I just want to be able to have all of that belief pay off. You know, I, I, I never asked this question, but I, I'm kind of wondering now, just because, you know, your life was, I, I feel like so dynamic and so different than most, like, like mm. upbringing and going into wrestling and stuff. It's not like anything that I, I usually hear, but let's mm. pretend for a second, hypothetically speaking, we'll play the hypothetical right. game that wrestling didn't work out for you for, for whatever reason, it, it wasn't a path or whatever. What do you, what would you see yourself doing? Uh, other than wrestling? Uh, hopefully, I would have gone the football route and done that. Had that not been the case, I could have very easily just been a statistic or, you know what I mean, followed in some of the, my other family members' footsteps and probably made a lot more cash very, very quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean? But with that, comes its own set of problems. And that's also why, um, especially as you see us on TV, we don't glorify the negative aspects of hip hop culture or black culture, right? Because it's not about the man you were, it's about the man you're trying to be. It's yeah. about the man you're trying to become. It's about what you're trying to strive for, right? Um, everybody you know, wants to talk about Jay-Z and Marcy, but look at Jay-Z now. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's that's what you should be focusing on, not where not where he was at. Mm -hmm. Like, it's relatable to go, hey, well, we were both from here. Dope. Now look at where he got to and ask how he got there. You know what I mean? Not how did he stay in Marcy? Um, so, you know, it, it I know that. At any point in time, all of this could have gone left at any point, but it didn't. So that allows me to be able to believe that. Uh, I'm, that I'm doing the right thing and I'm on the right path and just continue to do what we're doing uh, because it's working. You know, I mean, I, I, if you don't mind me asking this question, it might be too personal, mm -hmm. but, no, um, you know, cause you know, your story is very relatable, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know for me coming where I came from, I had to detach from a lot of the stories mm -hmm. that I identified with and what you were talking about with the Jay-Z thing. It's like, Let's not look where he where 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 this was, but look at him now, right? right? And obviously, the man detached from a lot of these stories, and it sounds mm. like you have as well. So, mm. what was important in making that connection for you? Kind of like, okay, well, my upbringing was my upbringing, and yes, right. I'm going to remember it because that's where I'm from. But what right. I'm doing now is 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 it's not more important; it's just different, and it's just how what I want to present to the world. So. When was that moment for you? I think as I grew up and I just started to see how black culture, especially is presented in media and movies, TVs, commercials, shows. And it's, it's hearing things that people would say, whether it's, it's, it's subtle shots like, oh, well, you don't talk black. It's like, how the fuck am I supposed to talk? <laughs> like, what do you 
what do you think we all sound oh. like? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like education is not intrinsically just for one group of people. <laughs> like, um, and, and, and just different things like, like, like that. I would talk to people, you know, that, that see that, that would see for lack of a better example, the Cosby show. Right. And be like, well, that's not real black life. How the fuck can you say that? Yes, it is. It's just as real as anybody else. Like, so once I started to see stuff like that and started to, to study kind of the um, psychology of why people think like that, the trauma that comes with that, I started seeing like, all right, in order to change some of that, even on some small level that I can, I'm going to have to present people with different options, right? If all kids see is being a hustler is the way to make cash, then that's what they're going to think their options are because a lot of them come from places that they need to make cash fast and step up and grow up quick. You're not shown the Neil, the Neil deGrasse Tysons. You're not shown um, outside of Black History Month, the Martin Luther Kings or the Marcus Garvey's, you know what I mean? Or the Malcolm X's, like you have to go out and look for that stuff yourself. Um, it's, it's very easy to market the most destructive aspects of our culture. It's, it, it takes a little more effort to show people a different thing. And that's what we're trying to do is show people something different, show them, show them something that they can aspire to be, um, not necessarily try to be us, but just take take aspects of things that we do, apply it to, to themselves and be the best version of them that they can be. And it's and it's for every it's for everyone, but especially when it comes to um, our fans and our communities and our families, uh, because this is the stuff that we watch growing up and everybody wanted to see change, not only in, in society, but definitely in pro wrestling. And I think you're slowly starting to see that change. And one of the things that at least the three of us and Dimitri and DMAC have been critical in wrestling in the past few years is mm. lack of African-American champions. And now you're starting to see it coming to fruition. WWE is finally getting on board. You, Ring of Honor has kind of been, I think, one of the four leaders in the forefront with African-American champions. How... I, I guess when you're getting started, you see the the lack of African American champions, the, the the lack of being pushed. How mm -hmm. disheartening is it for you starting out and now where you are watching it finally get its comeuppance? Um, that's a good question. It's of course it's frustrating because you see the talent around you, right? You know what is possible, and I it it, it takes you welcoming that leadership role and understanding to a degree that you have to lead in a way that, that may not necessarily mean that you get to reap the benefits of that, if that makes any sense, right? right. Um, the closest thing that I can relate it to, and I can't remember, remember the guy's name uh, off top, but the, but the guy who uh, pushed for free agency in the NFL, right? Perfect. He led that charge. Huh? I, I thought you were going to say baseball. I think it was Kurt Flood from the Cardinals. I don't remember who it was in the NFL. Right. But, but right. But like, it's like he never got to do that, but now other people do. You know what I'm saying? And, and so now it's like, all right, when, when you're at a place, especially like Ring of Honor, who's um, been great at having some of the most diverse rosters on the planet, 
um, you, you're, you're able to um, feel like you have the freedom there to, to be who, who you are and push those boundaries. Um, and and e- even with them, you know, the only person to win the world title has been Jay Lethal. And up until um, now, you've got guys like, like myself, Jonathan Gresham, Kenny King, who are all able to step into that role. I feel like it's only a matter of time before one of those happen. Um, and we're able to give him some company on top of that mountain. But when you talk about uh, the WWE, especially uh, whether people like it or not, they set the tone for the entire industry. Right. Um, everything goes as they go. Right. Whether people like that or not, that's just the truth. Um, and so now you're looking at a situation where, like in my lifetime now, we've seen one, two, three, four black champions, including The Rock. Mm-hmm. As far as being, and this is not to discredit anybody else's accomplishments, but we're talking WWE champion. We're talking the guy, right? From The Rock to Kofi to Lashley to now Big E, right? Um, that's incredible. And I think for the first time ever in history, it was like back-to-back black champions, right? So it was yeah. like, yo, that's, we're, we're witnessing history in present day, Um so to see that happen, to be able to understand and let the world know that, hey, we're not just the guys to trot out to, you know, scare your core audience. You know what I mean? Like this year, just, just be afraid and like, no, we like we're entertaining. We're silly. We're nerdy. We're jokey. We can be serious when we want to. We can wear suits, the whole the whole nine. Right. Which is uh, which goes back to my point about uh, depth of character and understanding the people that it that that you have on your roster in order to get the best possible performance out of them that also then goes up the chain right it can't just be um di- diversity in the locker room it's got to be diversity in, in the marketing room in, in in the boardrooms and all of the in, in ownership all of that because when you can have different people of different backgrounds you're able to pull so much more out of your talent Right. The, the the culture in Brooklyn is not the same as the culture in Atlanta. Right. So you're, it's not the same thing. You're going to be able to have to pull something out of that person that you can't get from anybody else. And when you're able to find those unique qualities in people, you create superstars. Yeah. And I've always loved I mean, I had a short stint with Ring of Honor uh, mm-hmm. back in 2009. I've always loved working with them like like the fans. And you're right. The culture. In different areas you go to the east coast you go to you know south like whatever the the uh uh the midwest and all that kind of stuff it's kind of different right. everywhere now we fast forward and you know at, during the covid era uh you take all that away now you're mm-hmm. doing empty arenas mm-hmm. all right and like with your character you're so like interactive with fans and they feed off of you and everything so mm-hmm. now what happens with you like how was it working in empty arenas and i guess my follow-up question with that is uh, i know you guys went back to live shows ring of honor but you know i'm watching the tv show on 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 fight tv and it's still empty arenas like so so why Mm -hmm. is it still uh the empty arenas as well i i think for the tv tapings they're doing that but a lot of that is based off of baltimore and the state of maryland and the commission um So like and I think that they're just trying to make sure we keep everybody as safe as possible and then come the end of the year, see how things are and kind of go from there. Uh, So I I think they're just taking the cautious approach 
which I know we all understand as performers. Yes, it's frustrating as you see other people have fans and, and, and you want that at all at, at all times. But it's it, it's safety over everything. Right. At the end of the day. Um, but but for me personally, the only the only match that was weird without fans was the very first one when we came back, because just like like you said, like what what I bring and who I am as a performer, I feed off of that. Like I love hostile environments. I love um, one of my favorite moments ever was in the UK when it was me versus Joe Hendry for the TV title. The entire building in York Hall was fuck you, Taylor. And I was just like, all right. I'm about to fight every single one of you motherfuckers in here. And y'all about to be mad when I beat this motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like it it was just dope. Right. So um, that's having that gone. um, You, you then have to find that energy in, in yourself, but we got to work with like EC3 and the Briscoe. So they're going to bring that out of you regardless. Right. So one of the things that I think helped me and the guys is we talk a lot of shit when we're in the ring. Mm-hmm. that I think normally with fans, you're not able to hear. But then once you take all that all that away, you see that shot come, boom, damn, that hurt, didn't it? Yeah, you like that shit. You know what I like? And I think that is what people were like, oh, damn, yeah, I like this dude. He talking shit, you know what I mean? Hitting these dudes, you know? Like, it's very reminiscent of that, like, Steve Austin feel where you just had this dude going out there, busting folks' asses and talking shit. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, I like that guy. You know what I'm saying? Um and and our, our attitude about the whole thing has been like, look, man, you know, we 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 didn't say that we were the nicest guys. We didn't say we were gonna follow all the rules. We didn't say that we were bad guys. You know what I mean? What we do is what we do. You decide where you line up. If you're with us, cool. If you're not, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and and I think that point too allows people to pick a side and and just go, hey man, you're you're either all in. Well, pardon the pun. You're you're either all in or you're or you're out, you know what I'm saying? So um, I, I I think not having the crowd there allowed people to sort of focus in on the details of what we do, which has only made it better once the fans got back, because once they got back in Baltimore now and Philly both times, they were absolutely bonkers. And I think a lot of people, uh, I, I, I know some people were, were happy. I know a lot of people weren't because they were like, Okay, well, yeah, they're buzzing on so neutral media, but well, the crowd's not out there. Then they heard the crowd and were like, "Oh, oh, yeah, okay, well, this is working." It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I, I ask from time to time is about the creative freedom aspect that I'm seeing in a lot of these promotions, like mm-hmm. Ring of Honor and AEW and GCW, and you know. Uh, how important is it for you for character development for, you know, obviously mixing a part of your real personality to this TV personality, we'll just call it. Right. Right. I mean, is it important? Is it what's more important to you? Do you think is, is it the creative freedom or is it the paycheck? It's for me, it's the creative freedom and everybody's going to be different. Right. Um, there's there's this and and I, and I saw it today and for some reason there's this notion that somehow if you don't go to WWE or you don't go to an AEW that somehow you're less talented 
right? Mm. Which is the furthest thing from the fucking truth, yeah. right? There are so many Amen. factors that, that go into the decision on where people wrestle. Like, re, like relocation is one, money is one, ambition is one, creative freedom is, is one, environment is one, knowing who you are as a person, knowing what environment could be conducive to success or destruction for you mentally, right? You're just like, look, everybody wants to compete against the best. But it's like, look, I know if I go here, I'm going to be in a situation because I know me that's going to cause me to be like, hey, yo, the fuck did you say? And I know immediately I'm going to have problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not only do will I have problems, but the people that vouch for me to get there, they'll have right. problems. And it's like, yo, I'm not about to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but for me, the creative freedom to tell the stories that I want to tell the way that I want to do it is impaired. It's, it's everything because that's exactly what this is for a long time, especially um, with black fans. I, I feel like they're a demographic that's, that's been overlooked for a very long time in professional wrestling. And right now they've, and, and over the years they've had to live vicariously through other people's stories. And for, and for me, for my guys, it was like, hey, yo, let's let's tell our stories for us and do it the way we know we want to do it and the way it can be done. And we've been able to do that. And the response has been incredible. So that lets me know, OK, people are responding to this and not just black fans, fans from all walks of life. Right. So there's there's something relatable to the struggle, to to overcoming that, to finding your way, you know, standing on your principles you know, and believing in that. And, and what we're able to do is showcase solidarity and unity in a way that isn't really shown on TV. We're able to challenge each other, but pick each other up, understand that you don't have to cut out the next man's knees to get ahead of him. You know what I mean? There's room at the top for everybody. There's, there's enough food for everybody to eat. Um, and, and, and so that's, to me, that is the most important thing because I, I think when we talk about legacy, I, I I could make money doing a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Like we we all and we all could, right? But for me, what I want at the end of the day is for not only my peers but the staples of ROH from the beginning to be able to look at my time there and go, that guy could have ran with us. Like he had, he 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 did it the way we did it. He did it the way we would have done it. Um, and, and I take a lot of pride in that when I go into the locker room and, you know, and, and the Briscoes give you that nod, like, Hey, you're doing the shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's what means the world to me and being able to tell my stories the way I want to is everything. Now this question isn't coming from Dennis, the smart, good looking, sophisticated, suave. talented, suave, Right. This is coming from Dennis, the Shane Taylor fan. Right. And you've had Taste of Gold, a six man, a television title. And as mm -hmm. a fan, a true fan of yours, mm -hmm. I get frustrated because I've not seen you take that next leap up. Now, mm -hmm. in your mind, what does Shane Taylor have to do, whether it's promos in ring, whatever it is for you to take that next step? <laughs> that's a very funny question. Um, and the thing about that is, as we all know in this sport, it's not necessarily what you do. 
It's, it's what other people want at the time. Right. And I personally feel as though I check every box. I can go out there and wrestle with the best. I can go out there and talk with the best or out talk the best. It doesn't matter. Um, but for me right now, especially with the six man titles, I was looking around and just hearing so much shit. People going, well, ROH needs to work with these people or ROH needs to work with these people. Or ROH, and I'm like, no, the fuck we don't. No, we don't. I'm not opposed to doing it if it makes sense for the company. But as I've said, historically, those partnerships have not always benefited ROH in the long run. So Impact. if we're all busting our ass to, 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 you know, I mean, to bring eyes back to this and, and get where we need to be, why in the hell would I want to give anybody else credit for our hard work? It makes no sense. You see what I'm saying? Because that's the first thing that's going to happen. Oh, well, it, y'all would, wouldn't be popping if it wasn't for so-and-so. It's like, all right, like, fuck that. Like, um, that's why the six man run that we're on has been so important to me. Cause not only did I get to be able to bring my guys with me and give them their first taste of gold and, and, and start them on, on, on their paths, but I also get to work with the rest of our roster and have them and bring them up to, you know, the main event level, you know what I mean? And, and, and showcase their talents to the world. Cause I'm like, yo, if I need to wrestle every single person on our roster to show people that we have the best, then that's what I'll do. You know, that's, that's fine. But again, that comes with leadership, right? Sometimes as a leader, you don't need to be in the top spot. You, you don't need to have that. You don't need to have the spotlight directly on you uh, because you know, the things that you do help the team win. Um, but do I want the spot? Absolutely. But um in a lot of cases, man, it's not the people know who the man is, that belt, the title, whatever you want to call it. Um, whether it's on me or not, people know who the man in ROH is. Anybody else that has it, congratulations. But the way I see it, you know, if if, if you're not me, title or not, you're not the man in ROH. Awesome. So what, yeah, well, what you won the TV title. We'll go back to mm -hmm. that. That that was that was your first title in Ring of Honor, correct? Yes. Okay. So that day, that day came. How mm -hmm. far in advance did you know, like, you know, when you were going to get the title? Were they like, hey, you're winning tonight? Or did you know, like, storyline leading up, like, yeah, you know, on this day, uh, you know, at, at, at War of the Worlds or whenever it was, mm -hmm. um, they were like, you're winning the title. Was it planned or were you, uh, how did that all happen? Uh, I, it, it, I was told that day oh. how, how far in advance other people know, I have no idea, but I was told that day I was kind of pulled aside and they were like, Hey, um, this is the route that we're going. And, you know, they're like, Hey, we've, we've noticed you've been, you've been crushing it. And we just wanted to say thank you and, 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 you know, do your thing. And I was just like, Oh shit. Right. And I was like, okay. And I, and I know the history of ROH and I know that there was only, the only two uh, African-American TV champions prior to me were Jay Lethal and Kenny King. So already that's like, all right, that's an elite group of talent, right? So I was like, all right, if I'm putting my name in that group, I'm going to need to step up my game and, and, and sort of solidify that for myself and, and, and earn that. Um, and what happened for me is the second that three count hit, I saw multiple reactions, right? You had people going, oh, 
what the fuck was that? You had people like, oh, boo. But then I looked in the back and there was a, and it's off camera, but there was a group about 15 to 20 black fans. And they, and when I tell you PD, like they were up on their chairs screaming, they had holding their kids up, they're crying. I knew right at that moment, it was like, yo, okay, this is, this is bigger than just me. Right. Like I've never met these people, like, but they're just so, because it's, they're just so starved to see someone like them that they can relate to and have them be successful and not a caricature of, of the culture that it was like, people are starved for this, bro. Like, let me give them what they want. Um, And that whole run, you know, the frustration that came from it was like, all right, cool. Now I've achieved this thing that only two other people have done like myself. I don't see the same energy coming in, right? Like, you, you bring in all these international stars to face Roddy Strong, to face Bobby Fish. You bring all these international guys in to face, you know, Osprey and, and everything that they're doing is on every marquee. And it's 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 the, the, the TV title is presented as, you know, what I mean, one of, if not the most important title in, in the company. And then I get it. And it's crickets. Nah, son, that's not working. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not going to fly. You know what I mean? Um, but that's why that run was so fun for me because I took it very personal. I was like, all right, don't promote my matches then. Don't market my mad. Don't market my matches then. I'll do it myself. You have every opportunity to do so. You choose to market other companies. Fantastic. They're not your damn champion. I am. So I went and was like, all right, I'm going to make sure every match I have with this title, no matter what opponent they give me, everybody leaves talking about this shit. I, I, and I don't care who the main event is. I don't care who has the world title. I don't care the match that they will be talking about. The person that they will be talking about when they leave this building is going to be me. Um, and that led to the creation of Shane Taylor promotions that led to everything that we're doing right, right, right now is that belief in, okay, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it myself. Well, you know, we were talking about the PWI 500 and you made it to 138, which beats Petey. I was like 65 last year too. So how I, how I won a title, defended it and dropped 60 spots. I don't know. (laughs) You got to look at it. Cause we were talking about, it's from June of the one year of the previous year up until June. And then they, they release it in September. So it's like not a, it's a 12 month period, but it's not like a, you guys, the PWI oh, 500 to fucking work. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. know this. Oh, we know this. Uh, we, oh, yeah, we it, know this. It's, it's just I'm, funny to just, talk shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's not, there is not 480 wrestlers on this planet that you can name that are better than Petey Williams. There's fucking not. <laughs> that's there's true. Not. That, that's true. That is true. That is true. I mean, I've seen the Canadian fucking destroyer on TV Bro. more than the last fucking two weeks than I've seen listen, in the last 10 fucking years. Listen, the guy who invented the fucking move that everybody is using now, and, I, and I'm guilty because I've done it too, so I, I can't lie. Like, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland destroyer, man. It's awesome. Listen, man, I love it. <laughs> like, so I was like, oh, fucking hell yeah. Like, uh, but I was like, come on, bro. Like, there's, you're, like Petey could not wrestle for the next decade. You're still not going to find 480. Re- like <laughs> you just can't bro. Like, so it's, it, it is what it is. But when people ask, they're like, well, you know, Hey, you were ranked this. And I was like, that's, that's cool. Like, 
that's dope. There's not 137 wrestlers better than me. That there wasn't 64 better than me last time. It don't matter. Well, it wasn't that wasn't really my question. It was more of an observation, and but I but I definitely got a reaction, so I'm kind of stoked. I'm but, fucking um, jacked up, man. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you you talked about all your trials and tribulations and getting to where you're at, and then getting mm-hmm. this moment and actually doing something about it, which is completely and utterly admirable. You know, and it's and it's and it's respectful to to who you are as a human being, and I really lo- make it makes me love you that much more. But my question is, like, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I mean, do you want to just be a wrestler? Do you want to be behind the camera? I mean, now Petey's, you know, obviously, um, you know, in the back and he's helping people with matches and, and right. these things. And he's used his t- talents and, and uh, all, you know, these things that he's learned and, and helped pass it along like you are doing now, too. But mm-hmm. do you see yourself in the back or? Or, or doing anything else besides being in ring? I, I think as most of us do, like we're gonna be doing this our entire lives in, in, some, in some capacity. Uh, I know I'm not gonna have a school because I'm a shitty coach. Not that I can't teach, <laughs> but there's just, yo, listen, you gotta know your strengths and your weaknesses, bro. Like, fair enough, fair enough. There's like, you don't I have the patience, things, right? You don't have the patience, right? right? Like, I yeah. Know, yeah. I know there's things that I do that I just naturally do after years of trial and error, but I don't think about how to explain that to somebody. Right. So there's small things that I missed and the details are everything. So that's why I know I'm like, I'd be a bad coach. Um, But especially for me, from the creative side, I love talking to people and coming up with ideas for a character that they see in their head and bringing that to life and bringing that to fruition, like working on people with promos to bring out every bit of what they see in them and what I see in them. So that's a very intriguing part of this business for me. And I think that when I'm done in ring, that's probably what I'm going to pursue is some, is some sort of creative side of this uh, because there's, there's just nothing better. And it's like artwork, right. To, to be able to see, to have this blank canvas, to have an idea of what you want, of what you want to have and being able to put it together and have it come out even better than you expected. I'm sure it's no different than music to have something in your head and go, all right, this is the vibe that I want. And as you tinker and play and other people bring ideas, you're like, oh shit, yo, we got something here. You know what I mean? And when you put that final product out and it hits, you're like, man, the, like it's, to people that don't understand that feeling, I, there's absolutely nothing I can do to describe it for you. It, it's just, it's the best. Um, so, so I definitely think at the end of my career, you know, whether it's, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, whatever, um, that's, that's definitely going to be what I aspire to do next. I want to say a year ago, I may be off, give or take a month you did one of my favorite uh, promos and it was you in a record store mm-hmm. and you were sifting through some records and you were cutting a promo on someone. And Kenny King. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a, are you a record guy? It looked like you were like in the punk section when you were mm-hmm. through what kind of music do you listen to? Uh, by the way, still one of my favorite promos about a year ago. Thank you. Um, that's I can't take credit for that. That's actually my boy Jason Keenan from Deaf Breath. He does he 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 does all of the video work for me outside of ROH. 
Uh, we did the Shane against the machine one where, where it was the buildup for me and Roosh. And I was talking about him. Um, but that was his idea, man. Like um, records were like my dad's thing. Uh, and so I, I never really got into them, <laughs> but I respect it. And we were we, with the section that we were in and the place that we were at was like, they kind of had a little bit of everything everywhere. So you like, there really weren't like certain sections. Like, like there was one part, there was some punk stuff there. Then there was some like 60 stuff here. And then I turned around and there was like ice cube. And I was like, Oh, all right, we're just all over the place. Dope. You know what I mean? Like, um, so it, it, it was just one of those things we, we wanted to talk about and give the vibe of the past and, and, and talking about how the past shapes the present and then what we're going to do in the future stemming from all of that, right? Because that's, that's, what, that's where all of our choices, that's who we are. All of us are a collection of our past, you know, and then and we decide how we want to shape our present and, and move forward to the future. So um, that, that sort of whole vibe was in, encapsulated in that space. So that's all credit to, to, to Jason and, and his team at, at, at Depra. So when you do your promos, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I just like at Ring of, I, I know it works differently everywhere at, at mm -hmm. WWE, AEW, Impact. Uh, I know okay. how we do things at Impact and stuff. You know, some people are really good at talking and all they need is bullet points and they're like, hey, you got a minute and a half, go. Some other right. people are like, hey, tell me what to say. Like, how much say do they allow you to have when you're when you're doing your promo to kind of tell the story? Like, are they like, no, you you need to say this or you said this wrong or or are you just like, man, that was great. Okay, that's a wrap. One take. The uh, we have damn near 100% control of the things that we say. Like okay. uh, when when people see me cut pr promos, that's me. That's nobody coaching me. That's no this. Of course, you want to hit like your you know date and times or or venues or things like 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 that for ticket you know reasons. But other than that. Like and, and and they'll tell you not to say cer certain things like because we film sometimes out of order. Yeah. But like, well, don't say tonight because it's not airing tonight. It, it's going to be some other time. So like, you avoid that stuff. But as far as the story aspect, they're just like, hey, this is your time. Do it. And I I'm lucky enough to be someone that once I get into the zone, which happens pretty easily, I'm just able to usually one take most of it and kind of just, you know, rip it. Um, and it's, it, it, it's funny because like outside of wrestling, I have a stutter, right. Which most people don't know, but I do. Once the red light comes on, it fucking goes away. So like, <laughs> so like, and me, me and Ray Rowe laugh about that all the time. He's like, he asked me the day, he's like, he's like, Hey man, and I'm not trying to be like rude or anything. He's like, do you ever stutter during promos? I'm like, fucking never. He's like, I've never heard it. And I was like, it doesn't happen, bro. I don't know what part of my brain kicks on. But whatever part it is, it's like, nah, that that's not happening today. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's talking has always been like the best part of my game. It's just um, until recently, I haven't been able to utilize it. You know what I mean? But now I am. And, you know, it's working. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier that, we, you know, we obviously know a lot of the same people. Mm -hmm. And um, but I guess my question is, were any of those types that you're coming up with those people you're coming up with was there one oh, okay scratch that was there one person that you maybe you can go back to and say this guy helped me or this woman helped me or whatever it was get me to where took me to another place 
and really, really gave their time and their effort towards me. That's Ray Rowe all day without even a question. Uh, if, if it wasn't for him, I'm probably not even wrestling. You know what I mean? So both of us growing up in, in, in Cleveland around the same time, uh, once we started doing this, him training me, taking me on the road with him when he didn't have to, showing me other things and, 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 and taking the time every single day when he didn't have to, uh, gui guiding me, um, even though I can be hard-headed as fuck sometimes, you know what I mean? And, and But that's like, he's my big brother for a reason, like, and he takes that very seriously, right? So he'll, he'll tell me, and this is just the type of person that I am, he understands that in order to motivate me, most of the time I need to be pissed off. And so he knows that comes with, with that, like, I'm going to be pissed off, but I'm going to get the shit done. You know what I mean? We can sort out the feelings later. You know what I mean? Like, so he's always been someone to, to be able to like push me like that. Um, and it's appreciated because that's gotten me to where I'm at. Like he's that, he's that coach that, you know, has, is all right. If I have to put a foot in your ass, I will, you know what I mean? And has no problem doing so. So like he would even like when he was in ROH for, for example, right. They have like a five, six hour drive rule. Like if a venue is more than five or six hours away, they'll fly you. Um, so when I was still trying to get in, they were going to fly into Nashville from Houston, which is like a 13, 14 hour drive, right? Maybe longer. And he would turn down the flights because he would rather drive with me to make sure I'm there to get a spot. Like that's the kind of duty right. is, you see what I'm saying? So, uh, and that's not something that everybody does, right? That's not something that all, all crews do. Uh, that's, that's, that's a very special thing. So um, when you talk about like an individual who's responsible for, you know, just putting that time in, that's, that's Ray all day. Yeah. Not, not PD. PD will fly if it's a 20 minute or longer drive. <laughs> Listen, man, at this, at this point in my, I, I, I don't blame him, bro. I don't blame him. I, like I take uh, a hell. I take a helicopter to the gym every day, man. Like, <laughs> hey, as you should, I'm, as you should. I'm, I'm at the fucking point where I want a fucking Michael Jackson hologram to go play for me right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> See? Bro, we're not far <laughs> off from that shit. The first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know if I like this, bro. Like, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's tough, man. That's, that's a tough sight. Because I saw the one with, with, like, Pac, right? And I was like, he, like, mentioned the name of the city. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Whoa. They're taking our jobs, man. Bro, they took our jobs. No, but maybe, uh, it's yeah, it, that whole like technology is cool, but bruh, it'd be wild sometimes. We have time for one more question of peach piece, which actually saddens me because I still have like five more questions. We'll uh, just have to do it again, man. I yeah. please, because I am so loving this. And I'm actually gonna lift this one from Darren McCarty, who's not here. And at the beginning of the show, when I kind of said, if, if people watch the mainstream shows and are not familiar with them, become familiar mm -hmm. with you because you're phenomenal. What are a couple of your personal favorite Shane Taylor matches you think you should point people in the direction to say, hey, here's a little taste? I'll give him three matches. My match with, with Hangman Page. Mm -hmm. yep. I will say I, I, I'll, and I'll combo this both my matches both my singles matches with Jeff Cobb a few years ago uh the one in Philly and the one in Vegas that was my first pay-per-view match 
pay-per-view singles match after like four years in the company or something like that. Um, and then my match with Jay Briscoe at final battle from 2019 or from 2020, whichever one it was, but those, those probably four matches are like, Hey, if you want to see who I am and what I'm about, check those out. Okay. Now, what about this? My last question is like, so this forbidden door, right? I know yeah. ring of honor hasn't really opened it. Um, <clears throat> What do you think? And I'm not, I'm not saying like, Hey, why not? It's like, what do you think some of the pros and cons that are going to come out of this uh, at, at the end of it all? I mean, some of the pros is like, you get these dream matchups that fans have been want have been wanting to see for years. And I know talent wise, it would be absolutely dope to go out there and compete against some of the very best in the world. The problem with pro wrestling sometimes is fucking pro wrestling itself. Right. And there's just so many egos, so many politics, yep. so much bullshit behind it. And like I said, like a lot of the partnerships that ROH has had over the years, while great for the people that we're partnered with, don't necessarily benefit Ring of Honor in the long run. So it's like, what what do you do? Right. Like either you either you forge through and kind of go through the bullshit until you see the other side or you try it and maybe repeat the same mistakes, but then you're kind of right back to where you were if it doesn't work out, which negates all the hard work we've done to push forward this far. Right. So it's a very, it's almost, it almost is a very catch 22 feeling. Yeah. Right. Because right now doing that is the popular thing. It's the hot thing. It's the trend. And you're getting a lot of these great matchups that people thought they'd never ever see, which is fantastic. But if it doesn't help your company in the long run, if it doesn't build up your stars, if once those guys leave, you don't have anybody else there to say, hey, we're now going to carry this company. What do you do? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it, it would be absolutely dope to be in a position where it benefits all parties involved. And if that could be figured out, I am all on board. If not, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm cool, man. Like I'm I'm cool doing what we're doing, and I have faith in the in in our roster that we can just go out there and just absolutely tear it down every single night until people start to you know re- really go, oh, hey, man, these guys over here, though, you know what I mean? And just yeah. keep crushing it. Well, I think that's one of the benefits that we are finding with this sort of I and I, I will call it just what it is it's a golden age of wrestling with right. all the cross promotion it's not like we haven't seen cross promotion before in America you know, mm-hmm. you know. but <clears throat> you know one of the things that that I'm seeing that's a benefit is a guy like you coming on here and you're a man of your company you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I, we've seen that you know a few times on this podcast where because I feel like five six years ago it was kind of like, well, where can I get myself to be the most paid, the most seen, right? That right. was kind of the attitude. Now it's kind of completely changed. It's like, well, fuck it. Eyes are on us regardless. You know what I mean? Because wrestling's just hot because it's fucking the golden age. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Once again, and as and I, I really believe as a wrestling fan for 40 years, it's a result of the cross interpromotional workings. So with that being said, my final question is, What's your favorite food? <laughs> fantastic set. Fantastic. Uh, pierogies, probably. Pierogies? Uh, shit, it, it, really? Listen, I'm fucking Cleveland dude, bro. Uh, have, you ever po- eaten at, have, have you ever eaten at Ohio Pie? Yes. 
place is the shit. So it's so good. It's so good. I remember like it, it's either pierogies or Polish boys, man. Like every like every other Sunday when I was growing up, we would go get my haircut at, at, at my uncle's barbershop. And right around the way, there was a place that had like Polish boys. And if, if no one knows what that is, it's like this big uh, like kielbasa in, in a bun. And they put like coleslaw and French fries and this barbecue sauce on it. And it's fucking it's a mess, but it's absolutely fucking great. Um, and, and so like I obviously trying to train and be a wrestler, you can't eat that most of the time. But <laughs> man, like if there was a way to like control ge- control genetics to where they helped me lose weight that'd be fucking great if i could just eat that all day um but yeah man um those would be be my favorites and, and i think as far as like like the company guy stuff goes i think when i got into roh people saw it as a destination right not necessarily a springboard and i think somewhere along the line that got blurred that got lost and I think right right now, the most important thing to me is making people understand, like, you know, fuck that. We're not a springboard to anywhere. <laughs> yep. This is the destination still. It has been. It will be. It will continue to be. If people decide to go to other places, great. But that doesn't mean that it lessens ROH any because they decided to go do other stuff, right? Like, I right. sort of see it like basketball teams like okay just because you play for that team doesn't mean your other team is shitty it's just okay you decide to go play for that team like the goal was still the nba right the goal is still ring of honor the goal is still to be the best wrestling on the planet uh and and live up to the standards that the people before us set so um when i was inspired to come here that was my goal was to go all right carry that banner and that's and that's what i'm doing I I love you, man. I I've I've spent the last hour sitting here as a fan, just listening and hanging on the words. Sometimes guys talk, and I'm trying to think or direct direct a show in my head, and I I lose track, and I'm like, oh, that, that's interesting. You, right. I've I've just been. This has been one of my favorite, truly, truly favorite interviews. Thank you, man. Where can people find you? What do you got going on? Oh man, uh, at Shane two one six Taylor. That's T A Y L O R. Uh, that's Twitter. That's Instagram. Uh, of course, all my guys will will, will be on there as well. Uh, follow them as well. Uh, all the links to merchandise. If you're in the merch buy, buying mood, is in all the bios and the and, and the profiles. So feel free to check those out. And man, I just I I can't thank y'all enough for having me. Um, for people for supporting us uh those that have taken the time to understand not only the message but go on this ride with us it's absolutely incredible and and i know the saying like we're just getting started is cliche but i feel like we really just are starting to scratch the surface of what not only i'm doing but but of what stp can be and what we're going to do going forward i i truly feel as though we we can be that next great faction that takes over the sport and and do it in a way that uh, gets to shine a light on a whole lot of people at at one time. So we are looking forward to the opportunity and the challenge to do that. Shane fucking Taylor. If you don't know him, go out and find him. This guy is amazing. One of my top five favorite interviews I've done. 
Yes, Lars. Well, the first place I'm going to look is a Polish restaurant. Ah. <laughs> Goddamn right, boy. That's Treat yourself, best. my guy. Treat yourself. That's the best way to end it. Petey Williams, Lars Fredrickson. Guys, thank you for doing this interview with us.